Welcome and thank you for joining us. You are listening to Gaining Christ Audio. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 11, the Bible states that God works all things according to the counsel of His will. In this episode, we will examine this verse and many others in order to highlight the infinite scope of God's sovereignty over all things, people, events, and outcomes, and to further reveal the tremendous encouragement yielded to the person who understands and trusts in the sovereignty of God. In our previous podcast, we stressed how the sovereignty of God, this attribute of God's sovereignty, is perhaps the most encouraging attribute of God for the believer. Certainly all of God's attributes are very encouraging. His love, God's grace, His mercy, His provision, the omniscience of God, the kindness and the goodness of God, the holiness of God, the power of God, yield extreme encouragement for the believer and the person who knows God. But perhaps the one attribute of God that does cause the most encouragement and comfort for the believer is the sovereignty of God. Why is that? Well, because it puts the believer at rest and in peace, knowing that God literally controls all things. And all the sin and the hurt and the mistakes that are made, even by an individual, cannot thwart or alter the ultimate plans of God, which yield freedom and confidence, and gratitude, and joy and excitement over who God is and what he's done. However, on the other hand, the truth of God's sovereignty is also the most rejected and resisted and even hated attribute of God by many people. Why is this? Well, because people, unfortunately, assume and presume that God is like us. God says in Psalm 50, verse 21, you thought that I was one like yourself. Isaiah 55, verse 8 and 9, my thoughts are not your thoughts, and neither your ways are my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. I'm not like you, says God. I'm far beyond what you are. Even though I've made you man in my image, you are not like me and I'm not like you. We don't think alike and I'm far different. So do not impose your assumptions or imaginations on me and my attributes, says God. As Paul concludes in Romans 11, verse 33, Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments. How unfathomable his ways. For from God and through God and to God are all things. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Well, mankind thinks we know his mind. And so if we do not understand something about God and that he controls all things, it must not be true, but it is true. And people, unfortunately, do not let the Bible communicate to them the truth of God as they bring their imaginations in. 
We must read the Bible, let the Bible, the truth of God, tell us who God is and how he operates. And if we do so, we'll see throughout history clearly that God's sovereignty rules and weaves through every event. And then when you look at the sadness and hurt and darkness and pain in the world, which is brutal, one would assume there's no way a loving God would be control controlling over this. He would not allow this, so therefore he must not be in control or sovereign. That's not true. He set a time. He will end all the darkness and pain. In the meanwhile, he does have a plan. So when you think about the word sovereignty or sovereign, how do we define this word? In general, it is possessing ultimate authority, power, and control. For starters, the sovereign one is the supreme ruler or king, the one with the supreme power and or authority, the sovereign, possessing supreme or ultimate power, having total control over others, entities, events, and outcomes, which only God has this type of sovereignty. It is the freedom to do whatever one wills independent of any outside control or influences. Only God has this sovereignty and this control. He is free from all outside influences. He's able to do whatever he wishes. He has total control over all things according to God and throughout the Bible. So what does it mean then that God is sovereign? Well, it's having ultimate authority. God has ultimate authority over all things. This is very encouraging, this truth. It is discouraging and terrifying to many that refuse to come to God through His Son, Jesus Christ. This is why we encourage you to hear the gospel and come to God through Christ and enjoy His authority. Do not resist it because everyone will deal with God's authority eventually. Psalm 11.4, the Lord's throne is in heaven. God reigns as a king in heaven. Psalm 103, verse 19, the Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. He is the king, it is his dominion, and he rules over all things. He has all authority. Psalm 115.3, our God is in the heavens and he does all that he pleases. Whatever God is pleased to do, according to God in the Bible, he can do it, and he rules over all things. God also has infinite power over all things and to do whatever he wishes. Ephesians 3.20, God is able to do far more abundantly than we ask or even imagine or comprehend or can think. The power of God is infinite. He can do more than you could even imagine. The universe testifies to this. It is God's supernatural, unlimited power that can do whatever God wants to do. His power is not restricted by the natural laws of physics that he himself created. He's supernatural. His power is unlimited. Great is the Lord and abundant in power. Psalm 147, 5. And he has unlimited control over all things. Again, Psalm 135, 6, the Lord does whatever he pleases in the heavens and on earth and the seas and all the depth. Throughout the universe, God can do whatever he wants. Whatever pleases him, he will do. 
Listen to God speak about this directly through the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah 46, verses 8 and 9. Thus says the Lord, thus says Yahweh, I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me. I declare the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done. I say my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all of my purpose. I call a bird of prey from the east and a man of my purpose from a far country. Surely I have spoken and surely I will bring it to pass. What I have purposed, surely I will do. God not only controls all things, he'll tell you and does tell us what he's going to do before he does it. Isaiah 45, 5 and 7. I am the Lord and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I am the Lord, there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. God brings goodness and light into the world, and he also causes by his will calamity to take place using sin and even evil forces to carry that out, as we will see. Again, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 11, God works all things according to the counsel of his will. All things, literally. Every little thing, every atom, every element, every compound, every moment, there's not one thing outside of his control, and he works through every event, great, neutral, horrible, indifferent, wonderful, and all the above to do whatever he wants. This is how sovereign and powerful and in control God is. This is exceedingly encouraging to the believers. This is one of the things that Jesus taught his disciples before they went out. God has you covered. I've got your back. I'm in control. I do these things. Do what I tell you. Trust in me. Even Jesus says, Matthew 10, 29, even a bird, a little bird does not fall from a tree apart from your father's will. He says this to his disciples, a little birdie does not fall out of a tree unless God has willed it. Every action that's going on, event in the world right now, God has his mind and hands and understanding and will all through it. We think that we have control. We think that we make plans. I used to do this quite a bit in my life, planning things out it's, it's, it's quite uncanny how different my life is today than what I kind of planned it would be 20, 30 years ago. Well, Proverbs 19, 21, many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that will stand. God's purpose will not be thwarted. You may plan what you want, and planning is not bad. God's a planner. He planned things before he created but you do not have control over the future. You do not have control over the results. God does. He can create whatever results he wants in and through everything. And that's what Job concluded in Job 42, verse 2, after his ordeal with God and his burdens and attacks from Satan. The Job answered the Lord and said, Lord, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Here's a question. Do you realize this, my friend? Do you realize that the God of the Bible, the only God that exists, 
Yahweh, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, is literally the sovereign God over all things, and he has ultimate authority, unlimited power, and infinite control over everything that exists. Do you know this? Do you realize, because this is true, that there is not a person, a thing, an act, or an event, or a future, an outcome over which God is not sovereign? Even the worst events that have ever happened in the history of humanity, God has sovereignly used for his will, glory, power, results, and eternal plan, as we'll see here in a moment. If there is anything that God is not sovereign over, if you can think of anything, well then please utter that to yourself or someone because there's not anything in which or over which God is not sovereign. Let's take a further, more detailed look into the sovereignty of God and see his authority and his power and his control in order to give us encouragement and comfort to the God and from the God that we are dealing with. Hopefully you know him, or perhaps maybe this may help you know him more. I will say that in my life, that learning the sovereignty of God absolutely is the most psychologically and emotionally influential truth I've ever learned in my life. Now, learning the gospel truth certainly is it because I was born again through the gospel. But as a believer in Christ, there is not an attribute, a truth of God that has yielded to me more comfort, more encouragement, more focus, gratitude, and devotion to God what little devotion I can, I can put out, I'm trying, but I'm motivated certainly by the sovereignty of God over all things and my life included. But let's look at his sovereignty in all things, starting with creation, where it all began, creation. I mean, where did this universe come from? God created it. In the beginning, God created out of nothing the heavens and the earth. If you create something, you have authority over it. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15, 16, and 17. All things were made by him, the Son of God, and for him. He's supreme over all things. He's supreme over all creation because he's the maker of all creation. So he's supreme and has the ultimate authority. God built the universe exactly as he wanted. It's exactly as God wanted it to be. Whether we can see parts of it or not, it's for God ultimately. The Milky Way, Andromeda Galaxy, 2.5 million light years away from us, the closest galaxy to the Milky Way. All the galaxies, all the nebulae, the stars, the way the Earth is, the planets, our solar system, magnetic field, all designed by God. He has authority and power to do so. His supernatural power does this. How encouraging is that? Psalm 147.5, God determines the number of stars He calls them each by name. We're trying to estimate how many stars there are in the universe. Every galaxy averages somewhere between 100 to 200 billion stars. Well, there's something like 200 billion to a trillion galaxies in the universe. God, he knows all the stars. He made them all in one day, literally, and he he calls them by name. He can do far more abundantly than we can ask or even imagine. The Lord asked Job when Job was troubled troubled about things. He said, Job 38.4, hey, Job, where were you when I laid down the foundation of the earth? 
Isaiah 40. Like, who did I consult, God says, when I made when I made the universe and I stretched out the heavens? Look, look up your eyes into the heavens. Who made all these? I did. The sovereign one. Everything was made by God, formed by God, created by God for God's will and his purposes and his pleasure. And he's absolutely sovereign over the entire creation. And not only the existence of the creation, but secondly, the operation of the universe. Some unfortunately think, hope, or teach that the universe self-created. Well, that's impossible, and we're not going to go there in this podcast. There's no need to put any time on that ridiculous theory of Big Bang and evolution. It is absolutely untrue, and it's impossible. God created the universe. But some would say, well, God created the plan of evolution. He kind of initiated evolution, and then the universe or the world and biological life just went off as it would through this process. But God's not sovereign over the universe and matter and biological life. Well, that's not true. God is sovereign over all things. Colossians 1.17, he holds the entire universe together by the power of his word. Colossians 1.17, all things are held together in Christ, the Son of God. The Son of God holds the universe together. The reason that you and I are spinning on our planet's axis at 1,000 miles an hour as we race around the sun every year on our, on our solar travel at 67,000 miles per hour is because God told us to do that. He tells the earth to do that. The magnetic field works the way it does. He has everything under control, and he currently holds all things together by the power of his word, Hebrews 1, 3. Just think on a, on a lesser scale than the universe and the operation. When Jesus was in a boat during the middle of that near hurricane-like storm in the Sea of Galilee, and his disciples were terrified, what did Jesus do? And his sovereign power, he looked at them and kind of mocked them a little bit for their lack of faith in this lesson he was teaching them. And then he told the wind and the waves to shut up and be still, and they were. Who can do that? God can. Only God can do that. We can we can get windmills and collect some energy from the wind, and we can watch it destroy things, and we can feel it, but you can't control it. And uh, the waves do whatever they want according to God's will. He controls the weather patterns, everything. Jesus calmed the storm. What about mankind, our origin, the details of our makeup, our purposes, our duties, our dwellings, our behaviors, our life specifics individually? God is sovereign over all of that. He made man in his image. You're not a byproduct of evolution. No way. God and his sovereignty scooped up dirt. And think about this, made the first man. And the first man had all the attributes and abilities and features that you and I have. He was just made without sin, out of dirt. He sinned pretty quickly, but you and I were conceived in a childbirth experience different, just like Adam and Eve's first two boys and everyone else after them. But Adam was made out of dirt and he had a brain and a nervous system. He had a digestive system. He had senses, he could see, he could smell, he could taste, he could hear, he could walk, he had balance, he had feelings, he slept, he had blood flow, he had white cells, red cells, he, 
all kinds of things. He had a heart pumping out of dirt. God sovereignly made him out of dirt. Yes, he did sin against God. But do not think, friend, that God is not sovereign over that. If God did not want Adam to sin, he would not have sinned. He would have just stopped it. I mean, think about this. You and I who believe in Christ, or you, if you come to believe in Christ truly, we're going to the kingdom of heaven, God's kingdom that he's prepared in his sovereignty. And when you're in the kingdom of heaven before God eating at his table and enjoying the pleasures of eternity with God forever, never endingly, you'll live forever, God sovereignly determined, you will never sin. Sin, pain, hurt will never happen again. Why is that? Because God sovereignly will not allow it in this glorified body that he'll put you in. But Adam, he was allowed to sin by God's will. It's God's will. His will is mysterious, no doubt. The fall, God's sovereign. He could have stopped it. He put man in the same facility where he cast the devil. Cain and Abel, God sovereignly favored Abel. He did not favor Cain. Cain was jealous and killed his brother. But God's plans can't be thwarted. Even God with Abraham, he called Abraham out sovereignly to himself and said, I'm going to do a big work through you, Abraham. You're going to have a big family even at an old age. I'm going to cause your wife to get pregnant. God can do that. And he said, your family will one day be slaves in a foreign land for 400 years, but I will take them out of that land, the land of Egypt, and I'll wander them through the desert and I'll give them this beautiful real estate called the land of Canaan, which I'll give to them, and they can call it the land of Israel. And it happened just as God planned. God told Abraham before he had a child exactly what he was going to do and the details of his family, and it happened exactly that way. Psalm 139, 13 and 16, For you, O Lord, form my inward parts, David writes, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. Your eyes saw my unformed substance or body. God was aware of the substance of David before David ever existed, before God formed him in the womb, just like God formed Jeremiah in his mother's womb and determined things about Jeremiah before he existed. Who can do that? God can because he's sovereign over all things. David continues, Psalm 139, In your book, O Lord, were written every one of my days that you formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. God had already scripted David's life. How can he do that? He's sovereign over all things and all people. David lived his life. David experienced some uh, tragedy and even engaged in some deep sin. But God is sovereign. And And those two events of David's life, his adultery and murder, God's grace didn't hold him. He let him have that sin and then he works through it. And we're talking about it right now because that's God's sovereign will. Think about the paralytic in, in Matthew 9. The, the person was paralyzed, could not even walk, and Jesus commanded him to walk, grab his mat, and get out of the house, and he did. Who can do that? That's sovereign control and power over the body of this man. The blind guy in John 9 couldn't see, born blind, uh, was born uh, blind, and Jesus just, boom, made him see, made his optic nerve work or his retina work or his pupil cornea for the first time work, or the lens work, or the brain received these images properly. However, did God made, made it happen. Christ Jesus made it happen. Why? Because he's sovereign. Lazarus, 
John 11, the man, the friend of Jesus was dead for four, four days. Jesus even sovereignly intentionally stayed away because he wanted to raise him from the dead and not, uh, and not cure him of his illness before he died. He let him die four days later. He says, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus came out of the tomb. The dead guy came walking out under the command of Jesus. How and why? The sovereignty of God over even a dead person. Many are the plans in a man's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose which prevails. This is such a beautiful truth for the person who knows God. God's will, which is good, cannot be thwarted. And so as we live in this world with hurt and difficulty and stress and persecution and some great things too, and some hurtful things, we know that God is working, doing whatever God wants to do in all things. Think about world events. After the creation, what happened? Mankind starts to sin rampantly. So what does God do? He sovereignly floods the entire planet. And he warned Noah and his wife to build a boat, which they did. And he supernaturally got all the animals in the boat. And he flooded the entire planet. He just made it rain, rain, and rain, and rain, and rain. And volcanoes were blasting from underneath the sea floor. And everyone that had that breathed air perished. But who was on that boat? How did that happen? The sovereign power and control of God. Again, the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt. God even hard, hardened Pharaoh's heart. Exodus 7, 3, to reject Moses' request to let the people go. says, no, I'm not going to let you go. So God brought on plagues upon the Egyptians, like crazy plagues that God sovereignly brought about by supernatural power. I am God, there's no other. I'm God, there's none like me. I declare the end from the beginning and things that have not happened. I tell you, whatever's my purpose, that's what will happen. Even God sovereignly used one of the most dreadful events in the history of Israel. In 586 B.C., so 2,500 years ago, when, when Israel was very unfaithful to God, God called the, the Babylonian empire and army under Nebuchadnezzar, who was not a God-fearing man. And God refers to Nebuchadnezzar, this sinner, who was in a pagan religious practice of some kind. And God calls Nebuchadnezzar his servant, Jeremiah 25, and says, you send down your army to punish my people. And he does that. And the details are horrific. And there, and then many of the Jews are exiled to Babylon. And they're there for 70 years. And then God says, well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to turn over the Babylonian empire to the Persians. And they'll reign supreme. And then Cyrus the king will, will have sympathy and realize it's good to let the Israelites go back to their own land in Jerusalem. And they'll rebuild the city, which they did. God scripted it before it happened. Read 2 Chronicles 36, 22 and 23. Jeremiah 25, 8 through 11. How about over the devil and demons and evil and darkness? Some think that these God has no power over the devil. It's like God is good and the devil's bad and evil, and they're at war with one another, but they're independent entities. They are independent and they're radically different because God is good and holy and pure and wonderful. And the, the devil is filled with hate. He's evil and morally reprehensible, and he hates you. 
and he's wicked and his plans are wicked and his demons that he has with him are wicked, that God's completely over, sovereign over these demons, that's for sure. Job concluded that. If you read Job chapter 1 and 2, that's horrible. Job was a godly man. And, and God invited Satan to go mess with Job and put restrictions on it. And Job held tough during some pretty bad things. And then God said, okay, you can touch him, just don't kill him. And Job still holds the, holds the line and, and trust with the Lord. He says this in Job one twenty one. Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked I shall return. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Job 2.10, he said to his wife, Shall we receive good from God and not receive evil? You see, God controls evil, and he uses evil. He uses Nebuchadnezzar, who is evil, to do his will, and he uses Satan to do his will. And some reason, God wanted this to happen to Job. And then have a, a letter, a book written about it, and we're talking about it right now. And it's a picture of what would even happen to his own son, even. And some people experience difficult things. I've had some difficult things and some dark days of discouragement in life. And I have a good friend who's a very wise pastor. And he said to me, well, praise God that he's counted you worthy to suffer through some darkness. And I thought about that and thought about that. And it's a great point. And it's true. And then God ended that and he encouraged me and strengthens me. And now I'm talking about it right now. Maybe for some of you out there, maybe a missionary somewhere in a dark country. I don't know. But just know this, as wicked as the devil is and as as numbered as his demons are and the evil they're doing in this world, God is sovereign over them. The demons submit to Christ. When the demons saw Jesus in Matthew 8, they say, Oh, Son of God, have you come to torment us? Have mercy on us. And Jesus says, Okay. And then he he casts these demons into a herd of pigs, and the pigs go off the cliff and they drown, apparently killing the demons somehow or locking them down. You see what's going to happen to the devil. Revelation 12, the devil is filled with fury because he knows his time is short. Because God has dictated a short time and he's going to throw the devil, the beast, false prophets, and all these demons into the lake of fire. Literally, Revelation 19, Revelation 20, verse 10. It's going to throw the, the devil into the lake of fire. He gives Revelation 17, 17. God has put it into their hearts by giving the beast their power to rule until his purpose is our prevailed. Are fulfilled. God's will will be used even through some demonic beast creature to carry out his will, as difficult as it is for people to understand that. And then he's going to eliminate the beast and the devil. God's doing whatever he wants to do. Again, the Lord's throne is in heaven. He does all that he pleases. This is God's universe. We're like fishies in a fish tank, we don't control the tank. God controls the universe and does whatever he wants. He can give life, take life. He can end life immediately. He has everything planned. How about the end of the world? How about the return of Christ? How about the judgment of man and the glory that awaits those who believe and trust in Christ right now? Who's in control of that? You see, God is in control of the end, the last day. He talks about it. He details it. Matthew 24, he tells his disciples who asked Jesus, 
hey, what's going to be the time of your coming, the end of the age? Tell us. And he gives him detail, even tells him about the Ro- the Roman invasion in Jer- in, into Jerusalem that will take place about 35 years later. He tells them things that will happen, false prophets, false Christ that will come into the world and deceive many, and that people will turn away and their love will turn away. Many people will do this, but the gospel will be preached around the whole world until the end, and it will come. And then lightning, like lightning, the Son of Man will come down from heaven like lightning, and uh, he's going to send his angels out to grab people. And why will this happen? Because God is sovereign over the end and the judgment of people. And the Son of Man, Christ Jesus, will sit on his throne, Matthew 25, and he's going to judge all humanity and separate all the people, the good from the bad, those who belong to him, who are righteous, justified, saved by his blood from those who are not. And those who are not the goats, he's going to send away to eternal punishment where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. The whole thing is set up by God. The day is coming. Truly, truly, I say to you, John 5, 28, do not marvel at this. The time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear the voice of the Son of Man and come out. And those who have done good will raise to life. And those who've done bad are going to be judged eternally. God's even determined what the glorified body will be like. 1 Corinthians 15, the power of the glorified eternal body. It'll be a a spiritual body that will never end. It'll be all-powerful, no sin. Our citizenship is in heaven, Paul writes, Philippians 3, verse 20. And from heaven, we eagerly await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring all things under his control will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body. Who can do that? Only God can. Quite simply, by his sovereign power and control over all things. Acts 17.30, Paul preaching in Athens. God commands people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day. The day is set and it will happen as God has set it, on which God will judge the world in righteousness by a man, of course, his son, the Lord Jesus, whom God the Father appointed. It's all been appointed. It's all fixed. The judgment's coming on the world. And by God's sovereign grace, if you're a believer in Christ, you have been saved from the wrath of God and your penalty has been paid by the loving kindness of Christ Jesus and God's sovereignty, who 2,000 years ago was paying for your sin before you ever existed. Who can do that? God can in his sovereignty. How, How encouraging is that? The day of the Lord will come like a thief. By the word of God, the heavens and the earth that now exist are stored up for fire being kept until the day of judgment and the destruction of the ungodly. 2 Peter 3, verse 7. The day of the Lord will come like a thief. And here's what will happen, according to the Bible. The heavens will will pass away with a roar or disappear with a roar, and the heavenly bodies, the stars and the galaxies, etc., will be burned up and dissolved. By whom? How? By God. By God, the Son of God, releasing his hold over, over, over all things, and all elements will disintegrate. All created elements are, will disintegrate, and the earth and the works done in it will be exposed, because the only thing that's going to matter is that which is eternal. And that work that people did in this world that's not will be exposed. 
and the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved, and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. Who can do that? The Lord God. How about the church? How about the believers in Christ, our spiritual growth, development, and service? Who's sovereign over that? Is it you or is it God? Of course, it is God, and hopefully you know this. This is so encouraging. Just read Ephesians chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. Praise be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Even as he chose us in Christ before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, God predestined us for adoption as sons through his will, according to his grace. Your whole life and your maturity is due to the sovereign power of God over your life, believer. Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. This is beautiful. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, training us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age, waiting for our blessed hope, the glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself up for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people of his own possession who are zealous to do good works. What causes a person to to grow in holiness and maturity and grow in their works for God? The grace of God because of God's sovereign power over your life. Praise the Lord. Even God's working in all things for good. Romans 8, 28. We know that God works in all things for good for those who love him, who are the called according to his purpose. For all whom God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. How beautiful is that? How mysterious and powerful is God's sovereignty to work through every event in your life for your good. And that good, according to God, is to be conformed more and more into the spiritual likeness of Christ Jesus. More on that in another podcast. That is a really beautiful passage there that deserves some unpacking. Philippians 2, uh, 12 and 13. Live out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do according to his pleasure. How much sovereignty is that? God is sovereignly working by his power in your soul to cause you to do and to want and to carry out what his will is. And sometimes he'll hold your sin back and won't let you do the sin that you may be tempted to do. And then other times, like David, and many times in my life, he'll step away and let you run down some sin course, and then he'll bring you back, discipline you, and teach you and train you to be more and more like his son. God even sovereignly uses suffering in this world for our well-being. That's what Paul was called to suffer. He was appointed to suffer. It's been granted to us to suffer in Christ's name. Philippians 1, 23. Romans 5, 1 through 5. Listen to the sovereignty of God in this. Since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through Christ, we've obtained access by faith and to the grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame, because God's love has been poured into our hearts 
through the Holy Spirit whom God has given to us. Where were you in all that? This is all God's sovereign power and will. And just think about your ministry service, O believer. Did you determine what you would do? Did you determine what your gifts would be? No, God sovereignly did. Ephesians 4, 7, that grace has been given to you according to the measure of Christ's gift. And it's he that appoints the ministry works and the ministry duties and what gifts you have and how they are carried out. And it's the Holy Spirit that gives you power. You did not choose me, Jesus says, uh, John 15, 16, but I chose you, his disciples, and I appointed you to bear fruit and that your fruit should be eternal. You did not choose me. I sovereignly chose and appointed you to do my will. Even the works we do, God prepared beforehand that we should walk in these ministry services. Ephesians 2, verse 10. He told his disciples that you're, the, you're my witnesses, Matt, uh, Luke 24, of the things I did, and you're going to teach the gospel around the world, beginning in Jerusalem and to the ends of the earth, the sovereignty of God. And then you think about salvation. What brought you into the family of God? Was it your free will? Was it your choice? Was it your decision? As most people unfortunately think, and I did too for many years of my Christian walk until God sovereignly showed me this truth we're now talking about, or was it God's will? God says in Romans 9, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. It does not depend on a person's will or work or effort, but on God who has mercy. The whole plan of salvation and those who receive it is all based upon the sovereign will and planning of God. God planned that there would be a Savior. He didn't have to give a Savior when man fell, but he he said there would be one in Genesis 3.15. And then he gave the details of the crucifixion, for example, sovereignly gave the details through the prophet Isaiah 700 years before Christ was crucified, Isaiah 53. And then he sent the Savior and had the angel Gabriel sovereignly go to that woman, Mary, who he picked out and appointed to be the mother of Jesus and said, you're going to have a child. So like, how can I have a child? I'm not even engaged. I've never had sex. God's going to do this by his power. The Holy Spirit will transform the son of God from heaven and deposit him in your womb as a human being. And he'll be the son of God and he'll be the great Messiah. And there it is, the birth of Christ Jesus. And then you have the life of Christ planned out by God, but the, even the crucifixion of Christ was planned out by God and those who did it as the disciples prayed. Listen to the sovereignty as the disciples pray about what happened in Jerusalem weeks before. Acts 4, 23. O sovereign Lord, who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them, for truly in this city of Jerusalem, were gathered together against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed, both Herod, the Roman king at the time, and Pontius Pilate, the governor in Jerusalem at the time, along with the Gentiles, the Romans, and the peoples of Israel, to do whatever your hand and your plan had predestined to take place. How sovereign is that, that God determined how his son would be crucified and even pick the people in their sin who would execute him. That's what Peter preaches in Acts 2, verse 22, on the day of Pentecost. 
And then God opens hearts to the gospel and his sovereign will. This is so beautiful. It's God's will and pleasure to save you. O Lord, you have made known to me the path of life. Psalm 1611. The Son reveals the truth to whomever he's pleased to reveal it. Matthew eleven twenty five. You must be born again. You can't save yourself, Nicodemus. You can't see and understand the kingdom unless you're born from God. The Spirit does this. The Spirit gives life. The flesh is no help at all. Jesus says, John 5, I give life to whomever I'm pleased to give it. I give spiritual rebirth to whomever I'm pleased to give it. My Father's given me authority over all flesh to give eternal life to whomever I'm pleased to give it to. John 17, 5. No one can come to me, Jesus says, unless my Father draws him or drags him. John 6, 63. It is the Spirit that gives life. The flesh is no help at all. If you are a believer in Christ, do you know that it is because of God's sovereign will that invaded your spiritually dead life and made you alive together with Christ? Ephesians 2, 4. But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses and sins, God made us alive together with Christ. It is by grace we have been saved. Look at Paul's life. Acts 7, 8, and 9, killing Christians, going off to persecute more, and then whammo, Jesus saves him and calls him to himself in ministry service and makes Paul that, that legalistic Pharisee Jesus hater and turns him into the most devoted Christian perhaps of all time. Titus, you know, at one time we were once foolish, disobedient, led astray by various pleasures and passions, hating one another and being hated by others full of envy. But God, when the loving kindness of God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things done by us on our own, but because of his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and rebirth by the Holy Spirit, whom God poured out on us richly through Christ Jesus. So being justified by God's sovereign grace, we might become heirs of the hope of eternal life. Praise the Lord. Titus chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. God has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything righteous we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace, a grace which God mysteriously and sovereignly gave to us in Christ Jesus before time began. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9. God promised the details, the specifics, and the recipients of eternal life before time time began, before there was a world, before there was a purpose, a person, before there was time, God planned the details of eternal life and his sovereign will to do whatever he wants to do. Do you realize, my friend, do you understand the beautiful, infinite, mysterious, mind-boggling truth and attribute of God's sovereignty? He has all authority, all power, and all control, and there's nothing you can do to get out of his sovereign will. Praise the Lord. Please, if you do not know Christ Jesus, 
Ask God to open your heart and your eyes to the truth of the gospel and give you, by his mercy, spiritual rebirth and bring you into faith in Christ Jesus. Please, and if you have been saved, praise the Lord. Do you understand, my friend, that God is completely sovereign over your entire life and all the details and the days that remain here on earth with it? Do you? Please understand. If you do, let me ask you this. What impact is there upon your heart, your mind, emotionally, psychologically, even your person spiritually, knowing that God is sovereign, not only over everything in the history of the universe and all things, but every detail of your life? God in his sovereignty chose you. He foreknew you. He loved you. He appointed you for eternal life. Acts 13.48, he rebirthed you by his sovereign grace, which is irresistible, just like when Jesus told Lazarus to come out of the tomb, and Lazarus could not hold back, but the dead guy came to life and came walking out. That's a picture of you and me and God's sovereign grace, praise the Lord. He works in you to will and to do according to his pleasure. He guides you and protects you. Even though I walk through the valley of deep darkness, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalm 23, Psalm 23, surely goodness and loving kindness will pursue after me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever because God sovereignly planned me to be there, prepared for me to be there, and has determined all the details of where we will be, and his sovereign power and control will guarantee it will happen. He empowers you for ministry service. He gifts you by sovereign will as he wants. He calls you. He commands you into service, and he holds you by sovereign grace. You cannot get away from the loving sovereign grace of your Lord Jesus Christ. He gives eternal life, and he will lose none of all that the Father's given him and raise them all up the last day. I give my sheep eternal life. They will never perish because his sovereign power and control holds us. He controls every little detail from heartbreak to victories and all in between for his purposes, working good in your life to make you more and more like his son, which is your best and to use you for his glory. And he will glorify you in his loving kindness in his kingdom and change you where you will dwell with him forever and ever and ever and ever in perfection and glory and honor with realities that your mind cannot imagine or even calculate. He's determined it all, when it will happen, everything. Live in peace, live in freedom, live in gratitude, live in joy for the humbling truth of God's sovereignty and His grace in your life. Praise the Lord. Well, thank you very much for listening. Spread the word.